Hi, everyone. Today, I'll be giving an overview of responsible use cases for large language models. And we'll be focusing mostly on language capabilities, as we will be building on the previous sessions where I focused on how LLMs actually work. While these models show amazing fluency and versatility when thoughtfully prompted, their statistical nature means we must be cautious in how we deploy these models. I will be diving into use cases that can be applied to most businesses. My goal is to highlight promising applications where LLMs can provide useful augmentation, while at the same point in time discussing limitations that require thoughtful implementation. Where there are weaknesses, I'm going to provide you with options to strengthen your solutions. If you want to go deeper on industry-specific use cases, you can find those in book one of the Bite Side series or in the self-paced course of the same name. And if you want to explore related research on productivity gains, those are covered in detail in book two of the series. Search is a great use case for LLMs because they show promise in interpreting the intent behind complex questions. This helps search engines and even Q&A systems struggling with long, ambiguous queries. The LLMs can rephrase verbose questions into clear, concise queries, conveying user intent. Also, semantic search is truly replacing keyword search in engines, where the system is no longer searching just for the word or phrase provided, but also looking for expressions with similar meanings. With their ability to understand embeddings and semantics, LLMs promise a more intuitive and personalized search experience, making data retrieval not just about keywords, but understanding context. Another related and promising application is the conversational engine, this chatbot. LLMs handle common customer service interactions quite well by pattern matching user questions to responses. This allows efficiently addressing routine needs. But by now, everyone understands that LLMs are pattern matching engines that can go easily off script. So I want to leave you with some complementary techniques discussed at length in book two, including retrieval augmentation to ground responses in real world facts, leveraging an ensemble of models to improve accuracy, and of course, ongoing training to tune performance. I want to zoom in on retrieval augmentation for a second and explain how it works. A user provides text input, which can be a question or a prompt. The LLM analyzes the text to identify what's being asked and transforms it into a query that can be passed to a knowledge base, like a corporate database, for example, so that we can find the relevant information. That data then informs the LLM's text generator, which uses both the original input and this data to respond to the user. With some of these techniques, LLM can support more natural conversations focused on this efficient information exchange. Of course, human guidance here continues to be essential to overcome limitations. LLMs are also quite effective at summarization tasks, and although they are not infallible, this is one of the safest use cases because the users are providing the information they want summarized. 
Because LLMs are trained on vast amounts of data, they contain expansive world information that allows them to provide background knowledge on many topics. For example, uh, LLM can overview the major events, figures, and high-level timeline of a country's history to onboard a reader new to the topic. Unfortunately, many of the developers of both commercially available and open-source LLMs fail to provide detailed information regarding the data these models were trained on. And the quality of the training data really matters here. LLMs can also be quite creative at making up stories. Some options here to ensure quality outcomes are model evaluation and selection, training a model from scratch, retrieval augmentation from structured data sources that I previously mentioned, keeping expert humans in the loop. These are just some of the options. In general, you, business leaders, are accountable for the data sourcing of the models you use. This is particularly important in any educational settings. Ask your vendors for data sheets and model cards in addition to reviewing popular benchmarks. I covered this topic in great detail in book two of the bite-sized learning series. As for education in general, LLMs will change the sector in profound ways. Their ability to personalize content may drive learning experiences tailored to each student's pace and understanding. Their scale may ensure a broad spectrum of students can benefit simultaneously. For educators, routine tasks such as answering common queries or creating quizzes could potentially be offloaded to these models, allowing educators time to invest in nuanced teaching aspects. However, this can only be achieved by augmenting LLMs with other techniques previously mentioned. We also need to be incredibly careful on the way we speak and act about this promise of democratization of education. To be clear, relying on underserved communities and poor countries to test unreliable education methods and low-quality resources is 100% unethical. Understanding this distinction will be crucial as automation grows in any education setting. Despite the growing impact of automation and its allure, the soul of education remains very much with the human educator. Still focusing on Q&A, knowledge and education, it's important to understand that LLMs are absolutely terrible at mathematical reasoning. So complementing them with techniques such as program-aided language models, it's going to be quite important to blend the linguistic capability with symbolic programming, helping close the gaps where the LLM generates code that is able to actually process mathematical outcomes. There are other techniques like React that I mentioned in book two. These are all cutting-edge innovations in LLM-enabled applications. In regards to software development and coding suggestions, the research I share in book two suggests potential productivity gains augmenting developers rather than replacing them, particularly in less complex and repetitive coding tasks. The ideal role of an LLM here is as an aid that complements expert programmers. However, a recent lawsuit alleges some of the models violate open source licenses by reproducing code without proper attribution. While companies like Microsoft assure clients they will cover any costs related to lawsuits, this does not clear both ethical and legal standings. 
Transparent and responsible data sourcing continues to be absolutely critical. If you are training an LLM on your business code base, it's your IP, and this can be a great use case. If, however, you are using models where data sourcing has been questioned or it's not clear, some problems can emerge here. If you stop by the insight section of my website, Now Next Later AI, I provide the conclusions of a research by a legal scholar, Dr. Andres Guadamos, that will help you navigate the complex intersection between generative AI and existing copyright laws. While copyright infringement in the world of LLMs is quite hard to prove, as you will find out from that research, the ethical questions still remain. I also recommend an article by the fabulous Cory Doctorow on how to think about internet scrapping. Um, as always, he will use some spicy <laughs> language, um, but he's an expert in copyright. He's been thinking about some of these topics for decades, and I highly recommend his work. For low-stakes, divergent thinking, LLMs offer wide-ranging, relevant completions, encouraging this free association, which is great when ideating on a story or even in a business brainstorming setting. The fluency of LLMs makes them useful writing aids. From marketing copy to drafting proposals, LLMs are now used pretty much everywhere. Only last week, I kicked off a pilot with a property developer to test LLMs to aid in proposal writing. Here, we are leveraging existing proposals as training data and then fine-tuning the most transparent model available in market. And by transparent, I mean the model's data sourcing. LLMs efficiently produce drafts capturing patterns, but inaccuracies often emerge, needing correction by humans. So pairing experts with LLMs and then leveraging the models as unskilled trainees and asking them to suggest text on topics the humans know well, can validate quickly, and also refine is the best way to get results. Full automation here risks significant quality issues. Lastly, I want to discuss creative applications. LLMs truly excel at fluid generation of creative prose when provided with good prompts. Their ability to continue patterns combined with stochastic sampling produces immense original material. Writers report greatly enhanced productivity and inspiration. Just last week, a well-known fantasy author, Mark Lawrence, set up an experiment posting a list of eight short stories and asking his large following, which comprises of both authors and readers, to try to identify which stories were created by AI, and also to rate the stories based on their preferences. In short, two of the top-rated stories were written by AIs, and humans consistently fail to identify AI-written stories. While somewhat concerning, short stories do align well with the small context windows of LLMs, so the results are not too surprising here. I suspect Amazon is currently engaging in similar research at scale, as they recently started asking publishers if AI is used in any part of the book being published on their platform. So we start gaining some real insights here on the effectiveness of these tools 
and their impact on particular sectors. And when used mindfully and keeping humans fully in charge of the creative output, maybe there's something useful in the future here. However, we must be extremely mindful of copyright and ethical considerations in regards to creative applications. There's now enough evidence, and I cover that in the book, that training data sets that have been used to train a lot of these commercial and open source models likely include copyrighted materials and books by famous authors. And this, of course, raises legal issues around infringement. Once companies prioritize ethical data sourcing and attribution, this provides an opportunity to use LLMs in such use cases. In the book, I provide a detailed overview of tools that will support you, things like data sheets for data sets and model cards that push for transparency and ethical data sourcing. And that you will find in book two, Introduction to Large Language Models. With thoughtful practices, uh, LLMs can absolutely unlock human creativity without exploiting the work of others. But the first thing that you need to do now that you understand some of the possible use cases is to identify and define your own use case, doing due diligence, analyzing it in detail to ensure that you explored all sides of this particular application. In book two, I provide a template and an example to do that. I go through a simple example using my own experience and certain business models that will give you a sense of how you can quickly with your team define your use case using my template and validate if it's the right path for you going forward. Defining the specific business need or opportunity being addressed is the most crucial step in any generative AI project. Though it may seem straightforward, thoughtful framing of the use case sets the tone for the entire project lifecycle. It aligns board and other stakeholders, guides model development, identifies risks and issues, and outlines the ethical principles that absolutely must be followed. A robust use case definition leads to cost-effective go-no-go decisions, where teams are not yet burdened by sunken cost fallacies and data-backed pivoting is quite a straightforward activity. Teams are allowed to define, refine, and quickly iterate and innovate at a low cost before incurring significant costs, particularly with model training. There are now many ways we can support you. Our books, our self-paced course, our in-person workshops, available here in Australia to the public and to corporate teams all over the world. Our insights page on the website with plenty of research. And of course, these short webinars that I will continue to deliver at least once every couple of weeks. Our Discord group for business leaders is now over 200 select members. I'm so proud of this group. However, this is a forum that is only available for paying course and workshop customers. And remember to subscribe to the newsletter on the website as we can keep you up to date with everything that is going on from new books, webinars, workshops, blogs, and so on. We are going to start to organize some local gatherings in different parts of Australia 
that. So there's going to be opportunities for us to connect in person and discuss everything to do with generative AI and large language models and how can we bring some of these amazing technologies into our business in an ethical and responsible way. Do reach out. As always, I'm available. Just connect through the website and I will respond within a day or two. Have a great rest of the week and remember to stay human.